This is Coda Radio, episode 175 for October 19th, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, who is, yes, geographically at least, still established on the East Coast. It is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Psychologically still in a bizarro world <laughs> good 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 i think you do your best work from there i think you do listen i, I have <laughs> gone through a whole gamut of emotion today oh really oh really yeah. tell me about this well you know sometimes you have to make hard distasteful decisions mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. sometimes you go full off the rails and install windows 10 on a machine chris oh. anything about that i i i uh, 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 uh no why would i know anything about that i mean of course not it's uh it's negative it's in the freedom negative dimension. in the freedom no i uh <clears throat> i do for probably one more day have a windows 10 machine in studio that what we've been craving perverse desires got you to first of all how did you do that to yourself actually i asked rikai to install it yeah, I didn't. Oh, so Rikai's a pusher. Well, he does the, you know, I mean, truth be told, you know, he just, he doesn't make him get the, uh, like, the shakes like I do. I get all weird, you know, when I start using yeah. Windows, and I have a real low tolerance, so, like, the minute, like, something doesn't go quite right, I just, like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done, because, like, I just let don't want to deal with it. tell you why I won't install Windows 10. Lay it on me, brother. Because I like to hear Paul Therott be sad. Oh. Not oh. in a cruel way. Hey, don't awe me. Oh, okay. In... His suffering it has only made Microsoft better. That's true. That's true. Through Paul throughout suffering, Microsoft has emerged to be he's, more he's like Microsoft. Kind of their Jesus, but I wouldn't want to say that because they just did. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it really should fire Satya and just hire Paul throughout. I would say, I would say, um, I think I'm in the minority in that Windows 10 is just not as far as I go. If, if I, I think they peaked with Windows 7. For, oh, for clients, because you're I a Linux user. I, no, it is. Uh, no, I, uh, do you really want me to get into it or no? No, I couldn't care less. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you. Because I, mean, I mean, Windows is a totally viable platform, and I love the .NET news. Yeah, there you go, there you go. That is very true. Hey, you know what caught my attention? I have been really, I have been really kind of awestruck uh, today. Th- it was just announced that like uh, 250 apps are getting pulled from Apple's App Store because they cut, were caught using a third-party ad tracking SDK, which tracks <laughs> users. You heard about this? Yeah, yeah, I have. So uh, the online advertising thing is still just going nuts. Like, uh, first of all, we've been talking a lot about in-browser blocking. We've been talking about, uh, um, you know, the, the adpocalypse coming. But we're not really talking a lot about ads in apps, which seems to be a huge, huge source of tracking and ad revenue. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Then later on in the show, uh, somebody who we've talked a lot about with a pretty popular app has just gone to a donation model and, well, there's a couple of things to debate around that. And then towards the end of the show, I got an interesting story about something that is consuming a ton of resources. And people have been sleuthing online trying to figure out why this thing is taking so much resources, how it's doing it. And then maybe we can hear Mr. Dominic's theories on why. And then oh, last but not least. I don't know what least, that is, but I might. Is that the uh, evil crypto thing? 
Oh, I'm not saying it's that's a tease. I can't say. I can't say. Oh, all right. And then, last but not least, we have an, we have a commenter who is going to pin you down. He's going to yeah. He's going to he's going to pin Ooh. yeah. Well, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I get ready. Freshen up. Well. You're okay. All right. Okay. Good. All right. So why don't we get started with the uh, with the online ad stuff? Uh, so I thought I've been finding this to be interesting uh, because there's a couple of different things happening. I don't know if you saw, but Google launched AMP, an open source. Uh, uh, web acceleration technology platform, really, that uh, eschews a lot of traditional things and makes everything come from, uh, you know, this really hyper-focused, ready-for-the-mobile-web, web, really fast, with specific things cut out to have advertising. In. And then you also have the IAB coming out, and they're introducing lean ads. And their approach is kind of interesting. Um, they, they are uh, being... Awkward about it. So IAB is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, the people that really are uh, really the people you can thank for the horrible ads we see online. And uh, they wrote on their blog post, we messed up. That's what the the, uh, post starts with. Uh, He goes on to say, through our pursuit of further automation and maximization of margins during the industrial age of media technology, we built advanced technology to optimize publishers' yields of marketing. Budgets and have eroded that eroded after the last recession, i.e., after 2008, we had to double down, guys. We had no other choice. Looking back now, our scraping of dimes may have cost us dollars in consumer loyalty. The fast, scalable systems of targeting users with ever heftier advertisements have slowed down public internet and drained more than a few batteries. We were so clever and so good at it, we over engineered the capabilities of the plumbing laid down by, well, ourselves. This steamrolled the users, depleted their devices, and their patience. So they're introducing lean ads, Mr. Dominic. They're going to be light, encrypted, ad choice supported, and non-evasive. That's what lean stands for. The goal is to address privacy and security, serving up encrypted ads, and to reduce the size and processor-hogging power of animated and video ads. In addition, the IAB wants advertisers to do a better job of not aggravating users, for instance, by making sure someone is targeted appropriately, but never after they've made a purchase. You know, everybody hears that. Oh, now that I bought something from Amazon, I see ads for it all the time story. What do you think? Is this going to do anything? Uh, no. Is no a good answer? No. Well, if no is the answer, then uh, how the hell? So here's why this I... Is like, this is like getting pulled over for going 120 in a 25 and saying, oh, I'm sorry, officer. <clears throat> not bad. Uh, yeah, here's the bad. thing, though, Mike. Um, we constantly are trying to figure out how to make stuff, how to get developers paid. And advertising does something really nice. It gets people paid... And it makes the product often free for the user, and sometimes that's really important, especially for like in the Android marketplace or on the web, especially on the web. So how, how do you solve that problem then? And this is where I come down to, is this really actually all for nothing? See, I think this is, I think this is actually going to shake out, and pretty much nothing's going to change. I think online advertising is going to be just fine. I think in-app advertising is going to c- explode more than ever. I think we're going to end up with more advertising. What do you think of that? I think this is going to actually, I think this is going to cause, with Google's AMP and IAB's Lean, I think people are going to be jumping on board. Publishers are going to say, look, we're doing the right thing. Just like that stupid cookie warning that's all over, that just is like a pimple all over the web. Hey, warning, we were storing cookies on your computer. No crap, every website stores cookies on my computer. Do you really have to pop up with a JavaScript thing that consumes over your content so I can't get to the menu structure that I also hate on your website? You really have to have something that slides up from the bottom? You really have to have a full screen drive pop up about your cookies. I don't care about your cookies. If I cared about cookies, I would turn off cookies. 
There's a setting to turn off cookies. So it's going to be just like that. Oh, now we've solved the problem. Now we're warning users about cookies. And now we just get this in our face all the time and everybody's still using cookies. The same going to be the same thing for advertising, I think. Only worse because it's advertising. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. All right. So there you go. <clears throat> now, so now that we've determined that there's pretty much no way to make an app and make any money at it, let's talk about Overcast 2. Overcast, Overcast 2 came out uh, on October 9th. It is a, a pretty well-known podcast player in the iOS app store. And uh, it has a few new features like streaming, uh, which right. is a nice feature, storage manager, audio improvements. But probably the big feature is totes free. He says, I have a new crazy yeah. business model. Overcast has been free up front, but to bring the best features, you had to do an in-app purchase on Overcast. Overcast 1.0 locked the best features behind an in-app purchase, which about 20% of customers bought. 20%. This made me enough money, but it has a huge downside. 80% of my customers are using an inferior app. The limited, locked version of Overcast without the purchase sure wasn't the version I used. It wasn't a great experience, and it wasn't my best work. With Overcast 2.0, I have changed that by unlocking everything for everyone for free. I'd rather you use Overcast for free than not use it at all, and I want everyone to have a good version of Overcast. If you can pay, I'm trying to make up the revenue difference by offering a simple $1 monthly patronage. It's completely optional, doesn't give you any additional features, and it doesn't even auto-renew. It's just a direct way to support Overcast's ongoing development. If only 5% of my customers become monthly patrons, Overcast will match its previous revenue. They're not Patreon yep. patrons, too. They're just like in-app okay, purchases. So, so it seems crazy to me. But you, go, you should go first because I'm going to like flip my crap. So, um, Okay. All right. So uh, I think this is pretty interesting in the sense that uh, one thing he did that I find to be fascinating about this is when you go into the app settings and look at the app, it actually tells you how many people donated today. So today he's had 115 people kick him a couple of bucks. So he's got three levels. You can, you know, you can jump in at just one time or do a month or six months or something like that. And it's not actually through Patreon. It's just through an Apple in-app purchase. So Apple's taking 30%. Um, and I think the new version is good. And I'll tell you, I guess um, as a podcaster, <clears throat> I'm really glad that there's a really good app out there for free. <coughs> so there's that. I think, I mean, this is an app that I would recommend to iPhone users. And I'm glad that it's free because it makes podcasting more accessible to podcast listeners. Okay, but All right, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Well, I think that's pretty much it. So as far as the business model goes, I think it's, it's risky, but I think it's, um, it's doable because of Marco's popularity. He's, he's, you know, he's right. well known. So I, like, we, we already had, had a little bit of a discussion about this on Twitter, you and I. So I kind of know what your argument's going to be, and I think I think you know what my argument's going to be, right? Well, go ahead and lay it out there, because I don't. Maybe I don't. Or I know the audience might not. Okay. This is a business model that's not really. Well, maybe it is a business model, right? But this is like, you know, I hate to use the line that you often hear in the Apple community. Oh, that's fine for Marco, because it's kind of like a cop out. But really, that is fine in in this case. This would not work for anybody else. Like, it just wouldn't. Wouldn't it? But okay, but okay. So wouldn't it? So wouldn't it work if for anybody and, and that has? I, I would even challenge that. I don't think it's going to be sustainable. But that's a whole different. Yeah, I, I that I'm not so sure on. But um, he's getting a lot of press just for. I mean, I have a couple. Of, I mean, first of all, 
if you're doing a freemium app and you know i one thing i've used overcast i actually felt it was too generous at the non-paid level because really mm-hmm. you know the smart speed feature wasn't that compelling in my opinion so i would have had no reason to to update other than wanting to try it i mean rather to upgrade right to pay other than wanting to try it um now I hate to be the one to say you should be less generous with your free meme customers, but I I feel like I don't know, I feel like that's the case, right? Like Shifty Jelly sells a very good pocket. Uh, I'm sorry, podcast client that is fine. Right? I, I think there is some market uh, pressures here that uh, just you know going off of the stats that I would say from iPhone users the. His real problem is the Apple Podcast app is extremely popular because it just comes yeah. built into the phone for free, yeah, and then it's they also promote super it. Super crappy. Like. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like when you search in their app store for a podcast apps, they put a big old banner at the top of the search results for the podcast app, oh, and then it just launches the built-in podcast app. So he has to compete with a free app that comes with the phone. Well, and he's an individual, which someone in the chat room is making a good point. <clears throat> now, I want to argue mm-hmm. with your premise, though. I think this would work for oh, anybody ahead. that has. No staff? Well, there's that, yeah. There's a a couple things. He has no office, no staff. I mean, yes, there is an Overcast LLC or something, but it's really just a shield corporation, right? It's all it is. Overcast Radio LLC, yeah. Right. It's, it, he, you know, just using his nearest competitor, Shifty Jelly, Pocket Cast, um, they're a a company with offices and people working on this. Yes, yeah. Like, I think this would be, like, suicide for them if they ever tried it. Right? It's impressive that he makes such a good app compared... I mean, I think Pocket Cast is a really good app too, but... So here's the here's the uh, perfect... I mean, this is... But isn't this exactly what, what somebody in his position should be doing? Because he's he's been, you know... So the background for him as a developer, for those that don't know, is uh, he got pretty well known for uh, helping develop Tumblr back in the very early days, and he worked on the back-end infrastructure for Tumblr. And so he got well known for helping to create Tumblr. Then he moved on and created Instapaper and got pretty well known for that. And he's done a few other things. He launched an online magazine and a few other things. And he has a, he has a, a, a blog that is known at marco.org. And so he has, for about 10 years now, been building a steady following. He also has been podcasting for about five years or something like that, four or five years. And so he's got, he's got people that follow his blog. He's got people that follow his apps, people that follow his work, and people that follow his podcasts. And over, that, over those years... He's consistently created enough stuff that have, has been liked. He's also created a few things that has not been liked. But he's consistently created enough things that have been liked that he seems to have got enough following where he can put himself in this position and do this. And it's, so you can say it's fine for Marco, but you could also just say it's fine yeah, for I, anybody I who just really works really hard for like 10 years. Yeah, I don't mean it like that, right? Like I don't mean it in the, in the you know, kind of bitchy way that people often say that. I mean, listen, singers have their own clothing lines, right? I can't think of one off the top of my head, but Avril Lavigne has a clothing line, doesn't she, or something? Or a scent. Right. I don't. You don't. It doesn't mean they're bad to have it, but my, my concern is, like, all the press this is getting, Some someone's going to try to make their living by doing a donation app model, and is going to go bankrupt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. So, in that, okay, yeah, well, if you want to frame it like that. I just just want to be clear. I'm not like whatever, like, oh, he's successful, you know, screw Marco. Great. That's great for him. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you would would have to be in a very similar position to make that work for anybody else. You know, I, I think, like, 
yeah, I think it's really, really bad for like 99% of people to be exploring these kind of models. Like I would even challenge you and say, yeah, sure, Patreon works for you somewhat, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's not well, as some, effective as it could be. It's not as effective, and but someone in their dorm room trying to start a podcasting network would immediately go broke using Patreon. Because you need to, you have years in. You've been doing this, I mean, I remember you doing this years ago, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. You do have to build money. and see. For me, though, so I look at the Patreon model too as as something that is. I want to grow to a point where it's the primary revenue generator for the business, not the only revenue generator. Because I think in any case, when you have an online business, and I think this is so. What, what does Marco do? He he makes he makes essentially, I believe, his day to day living uh, from Overcast, and then he has a he has a supplemental income coming from his podcast. I and you know he can grow that over the years. I I kind of have the same philosophy as I try to diversify the income sources for Jupiter Broadcasting. I want the primary source of wealth for the company we use to make our purchases, we use to pay our people, that we use to go on a trip. I, I would really like like the you know the stuff that you have to have to survive as a business. I would like that money, that source of in- income to come from the audience. Because that would give us sort of like this base running coverage that really isn't tied to any particular company that, you know, really can clearly communicate to the audience at the same time in a very genuine way. Our, our loyalties lie with the audience because they are our primary funding. So for me, it's not just like a, a, a revenue model as much as it is sort of a commitment to the audience. And then the sponsorships sort of strap on to the business as more modular things that the business isn't as dependent on. And we can snap in different sponsors or we can just decline not to have a sponsor for a show. You know, the different kind of arrangements that that base funding gives the business flexibility. And ideally, <clears throat> if Patreon shut down, we could survive for a few months off of the sponsors. Or if sponsor went away, we would be able to survive for a few months on the Patreons only. Like the idea would be bringing in a diverse source of income so that way it's not just one, one source that can evaporate and then, the, then we're screwed. And we're not really – we're not honestly there yet because uh, I think the number one barrier is people have no concept of how effing much money it costs to run a company that pays people that work for you. And um, they just like – they just have no concept. And so one of the things I thought was interesting about Marco was doing is he's not telling you how much he's making, but he is telling you how many people have contributed today. And that's interesting because then you don't really – because I wonder if – Part of the flaw with Patreon is that number is up there and people see that and go, oh, well, they're going to make $4,000 this month. Well, no, they, they won't nearly charge that much. And, you know, you quickly you quickly burn through that in a business like, you know, so like but there's a there is a there's a gap there. So I look at it as over the years, I'm just going to have to prove the value of people contributing that way. And just it's going to be part of a multi-year process. Um, and when I get to the end of it. The last thing I want somebody to say is, oh, well, that's fine for Chris. It's like, well, yeah, well, screw you. I, I, yeah, I, I slogged my I mean, way there. Okay, well, wait, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little, right, like, listen, I drive a Toyota, right? I've had no problems with my Toyota. Other, okay, I've had lots of problems. I've had like seven recalls in the last two years. But yeah, in a world that? where I didn't have problems with my car, right, is it, oh, well, you just always buy Toyotas. I mean, I, th- I think there's such a thing as branding, right, and there's branding for people. Yeah, well, look at, just like, ask Apple. Well, I mean, even look at, like, forget about, like, products. Look at hiring. You know, mm, mm. if you know someone's a good engineer, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. may just hire them blindly. You might not be like, oh, let me make you write FizzBuzz on a board. Um, right. 
It was like uh, <laughs> when Jeremy got hired to work at Cryptic. It's because they watched him on Stoked, our podcast. I was like, this guy knows his stuff. Why don't you come down here and work for us? Like he had oh, developed a bit of a – Yeah, yeah. Well, it was okay. Yeah, good for him though. Uh, he you know, developed himself a bit of a brand and uh, yeah. online as being an expert. And There's nothing wrong with that. Like, and, and, but I think we're getting off track. So the point is I'm not an angry, whiny bitch. But, no, no. I know what you mean. But I think it's more of a warning, which I think is actually now, – now that I see your point, brilliant to make is like uh, I think so many people do launch Kickstarters or Indiegogos or Patreon pages now, which is the big one, and go – Okay, now uh, the rest. Of, now the universe can just support me. Everybody's going to just come to me, and it, right? Yeah, that won't. Well, work. I, I think I think the point I'm trying to get across is if you're going to do a, a product, even like an app, right? An app is a product. Yeah. As a business or a service, you have to make decisions that are right for the business. And you're not really running a business if you're just saying, "Please donate a dollar to me every." Like, it could work if you have the brand, and there's nothing wrong with it. But if, if you're like launching, you, you know, Chris's first app where he rates his favorite grinder hookups, um, you know, he really needs to advertise that. For sure. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. That sounds yeah, like, like a good app. I'm taking you need notes. To treat it like a product. Yeah. And, and that's what, like that's what scares me because there's like too much Patreon, too much. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to really be conservative, you could say okay. We'll put ads in, and then you can pay your way out of the ads. That's a really conservative model, and I like that model. Yeah, except but, for, like, nobody nobody really pays to get rid of the ads. I know someone who does because he hates ads. But. Well, I do. I, I usually do Just if I use the app a lot, like, especially, like, if it's an app I use while I'm driving. Not that I use phone, my phone when I'm driving, but I'm saying, like, if it's a map app or something like that, yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it. Just to make sure that I don't see the ads. Because, there, you know, when you've got a small screen real estate, I hate accidentally tapping the wrong thing. Um, well, uh, yeah, so it, the, the, his model too is kind of interesting. The other thing that I think would pretty much only work for Marco is actually the implementation. So the way it's implemented in the app, uh, it's buried in the settings. It's, yeah, it's actually kind of buried for, fairly deep too. You go into yeah. the application and then you go to settings and then you go into another submenu that says support overcast. And then from in there, you can make a play or a patron amount of patronage. So he's he's buried it fairly deep into the application. Oh, hi there. Hello. Uh, I just started playing a show. Um, so that, you know, the only reason I think that would, I think most apps would have to be a little bit more aggressive about their placement too. But because he's getting so much coverage about it, people are going to look for it. So there's a little bit of that. That's That would be something I'd say that only really works for Marco too. Uh, all right, Mr. Dominic, other thoughts on that topic? No, not really. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if anybody out there has any thoughts. Coderadio.reddit.com on that model. There has got to be something there. There's, you know, there's the bug bounty models. There is, there are Kickstarter models, but then the idea has got to be big. But it seems like there must be some sort of mid-level model where people can go create something interesting and get funded for it. Let's talk about something else that's really interesting. Linux Academy. And boy, is there have been some huge improvements over at Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders and get the Coder Radio discount. And then just take a look around. It is a really great service built by people that are extremely passionate about the technology surrounding Linux, all of the things that run on the platform, and people that are great educators and developers. And you may, uh, you may have had a chance to attend their recent live event. They had a big show where they announced a bunch of different things, but the one that really jumped out at me that I thought was really cool is they have a new system that will grade you on how you actually performed in the lab environments. So one of the really cool things about Linux Academy is they have 7 plus Linux distributions you choose from. You choose that. It 
automatically adjusts the courseware, and then it automatically spins up lab servers for you on demand, matching the distribution you've chosen. It's, and you can SSH into that and get your work done. And now you can actually get, uh, you can actually have the system tell you how you performed in the lab. So not just did you complete it, yes or no, but how did you actually, how well did you actually do it? And is there area for improvement? Over 1,800 self-paced courses with instructor help available. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders gets you our Coder Radio discount. Visiting there also supports this show. Check out some of their great new content around the Red Hat certifications and the Linux Foundation certs as well. And go read up on the Professional Development Certification Platform. That's the system that can really test how you've done it. It is really cool. And go look up other scenario-based labs. Really get hands-on with this stuff and have the confidence to actually go do something in production when you walk away. Linux Academy also frequently has tons of success stories in their community. And you get access to the community, which is a nice way to kind of lift your spirits and keep you going if you're kind of bottoming out. But also, something else I find that helps you is if you get a little demotivated sometimes, you can go into different nuggets, just go deep dive on something, and just get some nice, deep topic and then be done. And these can last from two minutes to 60 minutes, and it's a really nice course, and it's a great way to get some quick value and kind of pick up your, uh, your workload. You can learn something like the tricks, ins, and outs of rsync or IP tables, if that's something you've struggled with. Really nice to get those nuggets. Check it out. In fact, it's just linuxacademy.com slash nuggets. But first, go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get our Coder Radio discount. Linux Academy. Go check them out. So many new features I'll be telling you about over the next coming weeks. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Thanks, Linux Academy. Thank you very much, sir, for sponsoring the Cola Radio program. Okay. So, Mr. Dominic, did you hear about uh, this? Uh, I'm going to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out there, and you can send me, tell me if you can guess what app I'm talking about, okay? It runs in the background even after you've closed it. Uh-huh. Consuming resources, even if you've set it up, to not run in the background via system settings and disabled mm. using system settings. And oh. some people are suspecting the way it stays running is by looping a silent audio file over Facebook. and... Yeah, it's Facebook. Yeah, you got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's Facebook. Did you hear about this, huh? Uh, I heard about... Well, I heard a long time ago that they did something crazy with the uh, Davlik VM there yeah. on Android. Yeah. Where it, it, they just, like, blew away the heat. I forgot. I, I wish I could find it, but a couple years ago, like, they totally broke... They like to write their own little VM because they were. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Well, so uh, <clears throat> you know, this kind of came. The cat's kind of out of the bag now because one of the features in iOS nine is it, it breaks down your memory or your battery usage, and if you tap it, it actually will. One of the cool things it does is it tells you how much of the battery usage of that app was while it was on the screen. Your your eyeballs are looking at it, and how much of that was running in the background, and what it was most likely doing in the background to cause that. It's really cool, and uh, so people have been noticing. That Facebook seems to be staying active in the background. On this one blogger's uh, post at uh, MacStories.net, he says, On my girlfriend's iPhone, for instance, iOS 9 reports five hours on-screen usage for the last seven days and 11 hours of background audio usage with background app refresh turned off. Turned off. My guess is that Facebook is hijacking audio sessions on iOS by keeping a silent audio in the background whenever a video plays in the app. And because, by default, videos on Facebook autoplay, both on Wi-Fi and cellular, and few people ever turn it off, it means that a high chance that Facebook app will always find a way to play a video and keep audio in the background and consume energy to perform background tasks. Love it. 
And so people started looking into this, and okay, okay, turns out Facebook, number one installed app on iOS, it's like got universal, like 70% deployment or something like nuts like that or higher. And it is happening on tons and tons and tons of people's phones. And Facebook, a couple of days ago, did come out and say, yeah, something's going on. We're looking into a fix. Sorry about that. They didn't say, no, we don't know what's going on. They didn't say, oh, no, we've been, we've been, we've heard reports, something. No, they said, yeah, there's a problem. Sorry. We're going to look yeah, into it. Yeah, we custom engineered this like a year ago. And yeah. Noticed. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's any way, so is, could it, it could be a bug, right? I guess it could be a bug with their video player, maybe. Like a really specific, very advantageous to them. Super bug. advantageous yeah. bug. And then, okay, Mike. How does mightier than thou, how holier than app yow, Apple? How do they? How do they not catch this? How do they not catch this, Mike? Well, because we do, we don't hit the big boys. You know that, right? This is my question. You see exactly where I'm going. This, right. you know, I wonder if there is stats on I. I'm going to do it right now. Facebook, iOS install base percentage. I'm just curious because it's got to be way up there. I remember when I last time I looked at it, 81 percent. 81% as of uh, March 2015. 81%. So there you go. So it's on 81% of iOS devices. There's no way Apple doesn't know about this. No way. No way. I'm not trying to say it's a big conspiracy here, but I think Apple it lets the big dogs bend the rules. And in this case, you know what's crazy, though, is if I were – because here's the other thing. Because now it's pretty much guaranteed to happen. I mean, now we kind of confirmed it's happening. You can look – You can. I don't even use Facebook very much. Oh my God, Mike! I totally destroyed my phone. I, I totally, yeah. I totally, I dropped on the corner of the screen, and it's cracked all over, and pieces are falling out. And it cuts my ear, and chunks of glass are falling out, and there's literally like metal exposed by the earpiece on my phone. It's really bad. I, it's it's so bad. Uh, all right, so uh, and it feels like I'm cutting my finger every time I swipe the screen. So if I go into my battery settings and I go look at uh, Facebook here, see, I don't even know how you do this, Facebook. Facebook. One minute on screen. Oh, yeah, I've been killing it in the background. For the, so I'm going to go to the last seven days because I started killing it in the background. So five minutes on my screen. I've used Facebook for five minutes on my I don't use it very much, right? 40 minutes in the background. Now, what kind of sense does that make? So there's no way this isn't happening to everybody else. Apple's got to have data on this. And the other thing is this is trashing iPhone's batteries. The iPhone battery performance should be better. If it, was not, if it wasn't for this. So you'd think they'd be motivated to move on. They just pulled 250 apps from the App Store for using a third-party advertising SDK. They just did that today. But the Facebook app, that's still there. Just saying, Mike. Just saying. It seems a little uh, um, unfair, a little imbalanced. And uh, I, maybe it's not a big conspiracy. Maybe, not, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's an honest-to-goodness mistake. But... Uh, it seems like, uh, so in a statement to Face, yeah, here it is, right? Here's the statement from, uh, from Face Bizzle. They're working on a fix for the battery drain issue. We have heard reports of some people experiencing battery issues with our iOS app. We're looking into this and hope to have a fix in place soon, the spokesperson said. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, even with background refresh disabled, it's still. Hmm. There you go. There you go. The great iOS platform. What an ironic way to abuse it in the background is just by playing a silent audio file. That is that is kind of golden, kind of golden. All right. only, you know, it's only something Facebook would think of. Like, hmm, <clears throat> let's read these API docs, and what can we do? Maybe oh, let's loop some let's loop some white noise. Would it, you know? But by the way, 
the uh, by the way, the the silent audio file is the generous theory. Because there's also theories that it's like listening, you know, there's all kinds of other theories out there as to what it might be doing. So, who knows? Maybe Facebook is experimenting with a uh, with a personal assistant style thing where Facebook turns your phone into a remote to get to like their version of Cortana. Huh? Hmm? Hmm? They call it Zuck. Yeah. Hey, Zuck. That's what you say. Hey, Zuck. Although now if you're driving and someone cuts you off and you're like, what the F? Will your phone be like, yes? Because <laughs> what the Zuck, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I wonder. They'll have to work on that. And then when you swear, they'll be like, well, start, you're, you're saying it wrong. Stop swearing. Stop swearing. Or it'll just adapt and think that that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that could work too. All right, let me tell you about DigitalOcean Second Sponsor here on the Coda Radio program. This is a great back-end resource for you. This is your secret weapon. There's a lot of different ways you can roll with this. One of the things I love as a former contractor was it was really easy to transfer a droplet to somebody else. So you build a project, you create it, you present it to them, they love it, you can hand it over to them. Or because it's only $5 a month, you charge them $15 a month and you run it for $5 a month. Hashtag just saying. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive an easy way to spin up your own cloud server. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. You can host quite a few client sites on there. Or your own GitLab instance, something like that, or own cloud. Uh, or actually, I, so over the weekend, I spun up a, uh, a dedicated SyncThing server with uh, some password management software on it. I'm rolling my own password management solution. And I'm running that on a DigitalOcean droplet. And you see, if you use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, that supports our show, and it gives you a $10 credit. That $10 credit will let you run a rig for two months absolutely free, and it supports our show. Isn't that slick? And man, DigitalOcean has a great interface to manage all of this, to deploy machines or one-click great applications like GitLab or Ghost or lots of really good stuff. They have incredible documentation because they've paid community members to create really good docs. They've hired professional writers and editors to make sure it all comes out clean. I mean, it's some of the best stuff on the web. And then to top it all off, they have the interface with their API. And that API lets you do all kinds of things using existing community apps like manage your machine from your terminal or from your menu on your computer or using a smartphone app, or write your own with the docs provided for the API. It's really, really nice. And they have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, Germany, London, and a brand new one in Toronto. They just opened one in Germany, too. I mean, they're just rolling these things out like crazy. They are growing. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Code Radio program. Okay, Mike, I hope you're ready to be taken to task because uh, Tadcan writes in from the subreddit, and he nails you, nails you right between the eyes. So in regards to you moving from Florida back to Jersey and being like, bro, Florida, where I was at in Florida, was so far disconnected from the tech scene, it just was not good for business. And you're like, I'm, I'm, one, of the re- one of the reasons we might have moved back. Now, so Tadcan says, boom. Mike, I found your comments about the state of tech development interesting when compared to your previous assertion that technology should not be centered in a few areas. Ah, yes. I was wondering if anyone would realize that. Has this experience changed that? In my view, concentrated areas of talent for an industry is a force multiplier, but also widens the gap when the areas outside that fall behind. Spreading the talent pool just slows down the overall rate of development. Humans are social creative creatures and just do things better in a crowd. Your thoughts, sir? Uh, so, I, I mean, this is probably a topic for someone wiser than me, right? I, I don't think it's just 
tech things, right? I think there's economic differences, there's business development differences in different regions that might affect what can and cannot be done there. Um, I would say that there's a difference between hubs like San Francisco and Manhattan um, and places like, let's say, Central to East Coast New Jersey and the experience I had down there. Mm-hmm. So where I live, you know, where I live in New Jersey is not a hub, right? It's just New Jersey. But it's miles different from more, let's say, rural areas. Now, it's also miles different in the other direction from, let's say, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, even, you know, Silicon Alley up in New York, right? So maybe maybe it's not a black and white thing. Maybe it's just a, like a scale. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, so I look at uh, NOAA, right? NOAA works out of Grand Forks, North Dakota. You don't really n- normally consider that to be a tech hub, yet technology is pervasive enough in just the economy that he runs a full-time IT contracting business over there and supports lots of clients managing their technology. Too is right. I, I did not spend a terribly long time down there. You know, I, I, <laughs> I got I out there of there! For, like effectively one continuous week, maybe. Like, I don't even think that's true. So, you know, I basically took a vacation for a week, even though I was working. I, I would say that... He makes I, a... He I, ma- I think we overstated it. I, I think someone's personal, like, where they want to live or what they want to do is maybe not something that other people should try to read into or... You know, you know. I think what it is... Is this not a? It's not a one or the other thing. So he makes a good point about how uh, concentrated areas of talent for an industry are a force multiplier. And you know, in that case, you know, Apple and Google and Microsoft have these huge buildings where these people come into work every day. Of course, all the big companies do. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have guys like Marco who are working out of his house, still creating an app used by thousands of people. I would suppose. I don't know, uh, thousands of people, and uh, it is. Also, another valid form of business. And it really wouldn't matter where Marco was at. You know, like for you and I to do this podcast, geographically, we could do it anywhere, as long as we have connectivity and a microphone. It doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't affect our type of work for this type of show. But then there are other types of work where it absolutely does matter. And I think that's why it's easy to kind of go back and forth. Because if you are a consultant who can work out of their home or a developer who works out of their home, then you could say, well, no, you don't have to be in somewhere that's a high-tech area. It's no problem. And if you're somebody who's showing up at a building every day to work at a company and that's the way you work, then it seems pretty obvious that, you know, you need the force force multiplier effect because how else would you get everybody here in this room, right? So it's it's not one or the other. It's two very – or it's many valid ways of getting work done. How's that? How about that for a philosophical answer? I think that's fair. All right. All right. Coderadio.reddit.com if you'd like to leave a comment on this week's episode or submit story or a topic (laughs) for consideration, something like that. Mr. Dominic, is there, uh, you know, anything else we want to cover this week? No, I think we're good. Okay. All right. I apologize. I showed up a little late this week. I uh, I'm commuting. You should be sorry. I know. I'm commuting. And so then I, I got here and I was like, oh, I got to make a phone call too. But you know what? You know what? I still had a good time with you. It was nice. It's nice. It's nice to get to, you know, 
Proverbially snuggle over the internet. That's oh, nice too. We'll yeah. More than snuggle. Oh, that's cute. Hello, hello, JBLive.tv. That's where we do this show live. Join us on a Monday. We do it at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. Get it converted to your local time zone. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact to send something into the show or quarterradio.reddit.com. All right, everybody, go check out Mike at Dumanuko or go check out Buccaneer Tech on the Twitters. Those are solid recommendations. I'm at Chris LAS and at Jupiter Signal for the network. See you back here next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs>